this week, as I continue our reading in Colossians, by God's grace, Colossians 4.2, just grabbed my attention. It's really just been in my heart all week long. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. And it's very simple. I, I don't even want to get to the whole, uh, the whole part. It just says, devote yourselves to prayer. Right there at the first comma. I just want to stop right there. Everybody say it with me. Devote yourselves to prayer. It says, devote yourselves to prayer. Just that part, it just echoed in my heart this week. And I, I just sense that Lord wanted us to do something more with that. We talked about this. Wednesday night in our Bible study, if you, if you were online with us, and we dealt with the word devote as Paul the Apostle was speaking to the church, the Colossian church. We see the word devote, but it means so much more than just devote from what we see in English. It really means to persevere in prayer to be consistent in prayer, to continually pray. See, the thought, it, it's an ongoing. It means to be diligent, ongoing in prayer. And plain and simply, it means to spend much time in prayer. Spend much time in prayer. I don't know what your life is in regard to prayer. I don't know if, if you even pray. Uh, you'd be surprised, I think, how many Christians do not pray. They've done many s studies and surveys. Many believers do not pray. And if they do pray, it is on a very minimal basis that they pray. But I believe our primary example comes from Jesus and how he approached prayer. God in the flesh, the Son of God, how he approached prayer. So I want to look at Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 13. Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 13. Luke 6, 12, 13, it says, One of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. And what does the next part say? It says what? And spent what? The night praying. Jesus spent the what praying? The night. Don't raise your hand, but how many of us have spent a night praying? Listen to the significance of this information that Luke gives us by the Spirit. Luke didn't have to include this, and no other gospel writer included this. But Jesus prayed all night long. God in the flesh, the Son of God, prayed all night long. And it says in verse 13, When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, 
whom he also designated apostles. I'm going to read that one more time because there's much information in that, in that verse. When morning came, which means he prayed all night. When morning came, this gives us information that there was an intentionality about what Jesus was about to do. As he prayed all night, obviously he received instruction from God, his Father. What were the instructions dealing with as he prayed all night? He called his disciples to him. Everybody look up for a moment. Y'all do know he had more than 12 disciples. Jesus had many disciples. But watch this. He called his disciples and he chose 12. He prayed all night. Obviously, God, his father, gave him instruction about the 12 that he was to choose. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And those 12, he designated apostles. What is the difference between a disciple and an apostle? A disciple is a learner, is one who follows the master. He, he's a student. He or she is a student, right? But watch this. An apostle is one who has been sent by the master. An apostle is one who has been given special authority by the master, has been given special power. That's why the apostles were able to do many things like Jesus did, because Jesus gave them the authority to walk in the power that he had to a certain extent. That's why they were able to cast out demons and heal the sick and do those type things, because they were sent by God. And that's why they were able to preach the message of the gospel in power. So I want everybody to look up. Jesus, one of the most important, decisive decisions that he ever made in his ministry, dealt with the 12 men who would lay the foundation for the church. You understand what I'm saying? And Jesus did not take it lightly. What did he do? He went to his father and prayed all night so he could get it right. Because he knew that after he left, these men who he chose on that day would be the ones who would ultimately write what we call the New Testament, right? And they would set the parameters for what we call the New Testament church. I believe it is very interesting when you survey just this past week in your life. And when I surveyed this past week in my life, it's, I think it's very interesting to, to recognize sometimes we probably don't pray as much as we should. We, prayer, what is prayer? It is really, prayer is an acknowledgement that you are dependent on God. Amen? It is an acknowledgement that you are dependent on God. And I believe it is very interesting. I want you all to listen to me. Look at somebody say, are you listening? Come on, just, just, just shout out. Are you listening? Are you listening? I believe it is very interesting when you take surveys and examine and study the, the, the habits of the church today that many people in the body of Christ do not pray, which means many of the people in the body of Christ do not see it essential or necessary 
to depend on God for what they need. Because when you don't pray, you're basically saying, God, I got this. I don't really need you, but, but the word of the Lord says, acknowledge him in all that you do. And he will what? Direct your path. That's just another way of saying, approach God in prayer and allow him to deal with the issues of your life. But it's something about acknowledging God, amen? Ben Patterson, the author of The Deepening, of, the Deepening Your Conversation with God, uh, he, he wrote something very interesting. It's a very uh, well-known book and, and uh, series. And Ben Patterson says, churches can run without prayer. In other words, they can do all kinds of stuff without prayer. Whole denominations can run without prayer. But the question is, is what they're doing worth doing if they can do it without prayer? And this question is useful for us today as believers because I believe many of us are not praying. We do not see the value of prayer because we don't take the time to pray. How many of y'all know that you, you carve out time in your life for what you think is important? Raise your hand if I just told the truth. You carve out time in your life for what you believe is important. And when you don't take time in your life to pray, you, it may be an unconscious thought, but you're really saying, I don't deem this activity, this discipline in my life as important because I can really do life without God. So again, if we're not praying, with all that we're doing in our lives, does it really amount to anything that God says is what he is for? We can do a whole lot of stuff in our lives, but does it really fall in line with the will of God? You know Christians can do a whole lot of stuff and they ain't got nothing to do with God. Some of y'all sitting right in here today, have no intention. Some people, and I, I'm not trying to be hard, but there are people right now who are listening to me, and you're, you have already, when I've opened my mouth, and, and today we're talking about being devoted to prayer, uh, and, and, and when I opened my mouth, and, and you heard the subject matter, prayer, you, you kind of, that shield just went up. Just, it's like, I, I don't really have nothing to do with that. I, I. Because at the end of the day, Many of us do not feel the essentialness to be involved in the discipline of prayer in our lives. Come on, somebody say, I, I, I got you, Pastor. I hear you, Pastor. So when we are not praying, we live under a false illusion that we can do life without God. So the question is this. How many of y'all feel like you can do life without God? Look, look at somebody and ask them, do you feel like you can do life without God? Come on, just, just do you feel like you can do it without God? Act, look at the same person and ask them again, well, do you pray? See, the question is, if you don't pray, you feel like you can do life without God, but then you just told your neighbor you don't feel like you can do life without God, but you don't pray. So 
Look at somebody and say, you may just be lying. Come on, just tell me, you may just be lying. You may be lying. That's a possibility. And see, I said you are under an illusion. You're not just lying to your neighbor, but you may be lying to yourself. Let's look at Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Most of us are going to try to squeeze every minute out of the night's sleep that we can get. And no such thing as breaking that night's sleep and getting up praying. But I'm telling you, if the Son of God felt it essential and necessary, to at times, very early in the morning, get up in the dark and pray in a solitary place. If Jesus had to do it, what is that saying for us? The thing that hit me so hard this, this week, I was, I was going through Colossians again, and, you know, we've gone through Colossians and more and more of Colossians for the last three months or so. And it was just something about this verse, Colossians 4-2, that just stuck with me. And I believe it was a call from God for myself personally first to intensify my time in prayer with him. So I, want, I went back to it, and I want to look at it again with you all this morning. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. And I think it, it, it just shows us something. The Apostle Paul writes this, the most prolific apostle in the New Testament, where he wrote most of the books in the New Testament. He didn't write all of them. He still had Peter and Jude and John and, and others, but he wrote the most of the New Testament. And he had revelation from God that was really like none other in certain, in certain things. Now, many of you already know the story of Paul's life and how he received his assignment from God on the Damascus Road, how that began his assignment from God and how he saw this light, this bright light, and he was knocked off and, and as he was riding and, uh, and, and the voice of the Lord spoke to him. And he was called into ministry from, from the Lord himself personally on the Damascus Road. And God continued to work with him about his assignment that he would be called to the Gentiles to help them to understand the mystery of Christ, that the Gentiles have a, they have a part in, in, in the body of Christ, even as the Jews do. And the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, is Lord. And if you believe in him by faith, you can partake of eternal life just as the Jews do. So it was Paul's assignment given to him specifically by the Lord Jesus to speak to the Gentile nations, 
and witness to them and testify of the risen Lord. So you would think that the Lord goes through all this problem of showing up in his bright light, speaking to him, giving him a personal assignment. You would think that that was all he would need, man. God had said, look, I'm, 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 I'm picking you out from everybody else. You're going to speak to the Gentile world, and you're going to help convert the nations over to me, those who had no idea, no covenant of who I am. You would think that at that point, oh, that's all he needs. He just needs to get up off the ground and start preaching because the power of God is flowing so hard through this man. He's, he's just going to be great. But we see that in Colossians 4, 2 through 4, another way of looking at this. So he says, devote yourselves. And we just talked about that word, devote. Devote yourselves to prayer. In other words, pray all the time. Pray as much as you can, being watchful and thankful. In verse 3, we're in Colossians 2, I'm, I'm sorry, Colossians 4, 2 through 4. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, verse 3, and pray for us. So Paul, who received this personal revelation from Jesus himself to go out to the Gentile nations and get them saved, he says, pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message. When you think that the door would already be open. God is all-powerful. Jesus is risen. He's defeated the enemy. Yet Paul still says, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. And of course, he wrote this while he was under house arrest. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So the apostle who wrote most of the New Testament, who was dramatically called and given the assignment to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ himself, through a vision, it was just an amazing event. All of that power and all of that, those circumstances that surrounded his calling and assignment, you would think, he don't need prayer. God got him. How many of y'all know he needed prayer just like everybody else? Because what? There are still forces in this world that want to just stuff the power of God out and just kill the gospel. There are still evil people in the earth who want to stop the gospel from moving forward. Amen? They want to use their power to stop the gospel. So Paul is saying, we know that. We know that the enemy is in the earth working through people. So pray for us that the door will be open so the message can go out. And then he said, not only pray for us, my team, my apostolic team, but pray for me that I can clearly express the truth of the gospel of Christ. So Paul recognized that I need Jesus. I need the power of God and his spirit in my life. Even though I have these great revelations and I understand the word like none other, I still need prayer. I still need prayer. Look at somebody say, you still need prayer. 
You still need prayer. I still need prayer. I want you to think about the issues in your life right now. Many of us as Christians, we tend to complain about the crises and the issues of our lives. We, we tend to get depressed and, and downtrodden and, and broken over this every day we get up and we see the same issues or we see new issues. And, and it seems like everywhere we look, it just gets worse and worse. And sometimes we have to stop and get on our knees. Sometimes we have to stop and acknowledge that God is bigger than this. And we have to acknowledge that God can do stuff that I can't. But God has left it under his economy to say, look, even though I'm all powerful, I still have left room for you to pray for my power to move in your life. Look at somebody say, you need to devote to prayer. Come on, come on, help me say, you need to devote to prayer. Because if you don't, again, you are under that false illusion that you can do life without God. Let me tell you something. It is very interesting. As you're sitting here right now, as, as you probably already figured out the numbers, some of y'all probably already said, well, I think I prayed about once this week. Some of y'all got that big zero goose egg rolling in your head like, I ain't prayed nothing this week. I, don't, I ain't acknowledged God not one time. And some of y'all have this, well, I am working and I am consistently praying. I was in a small group with the men last week, and one of the brothers, we were talking about prayer and, and our devotional lives, and one of the brothers said he gets up at 4 o'clock in the morning before he goes to work so he can have his time with the Lord. Some of y'all saying right now, that's blasphemy. Ain't nowhere in the world I'm getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning to pray. But if your day starts early, you need to start your day with God even earlier. Amen? As we were on Wednesday's Bible study, several of you said that it sets your day up when you pray first. Many of you said that. Several of you said, now watch this. Some of us, some people, even in the body of Christ, their lives are set up when they get their little drink in the morning. You know, so you do know that some people got to drink some in the morning and get their day set up. Some people got to take a little hit of something. Of something. Of, look at, look at, look, look at somebody say, what's your hit in the morning? Come on, look at somebody say, what's your hit in the morning? What you got? What, is it prayer? Is it alcohol? Is it drug? What is it? Do you have to light it up in my Some people got, all of us need, see, we are, we are dependent on something in our lives. That's just how God made us. And many of us, even in the body of Christ, do not understand that we have allowed other things to be our crutch. And we have overlooked the true power of life, which is God, our Father, who has all power. He's sovereign. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. So how do you get set up in the morning? Hmm. That's a nice discussion right there. I'm serious. It starts early. It starts early. 
I used to go to school, very popular, supposed to be highly academic high school here in Memphis. I won't say his name because I like my school. I'm like, we'll see. Every morning, when I was 10th grade, I was 10th grade, had a lot of seniors on there. So they, they wouldn't let us let the windows down on the bus. And I remember we got on there and we smelt this smell was strong. And you know what it was, weed, right? And, w and one of the 10th graders tried to let the window down. Them 12th graders, boys, you, if you do it, man, you're going to have a problem with us you let that window down. Because they wanted everybody on the bus to be high. Y'all think I'm joking. I am not lying. They want everybody to have a little contact in the morning before the bell rang. Y'all looking at me like you lie. I am not lying. If you go and talk to people who rode the bus with me back in the early 80s, they'll tell you. And that was back in the 80s. What are they doing today? They got, all, they got way more stuff going on now than they had when I was coming up. That was, that was, that was, that was kindergarten <laughs> compared to what's going on now. So it starts early. Early in life, you begin to understand that, that people use something to be dependent. And we, we need to recognize as believers, we need to use God as our power of life. And the way that you do that is through prayer. Amen. Through prayer. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. Let's look at that. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, 1 and 2. This again is Paul writing. He says, As for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us, that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly, rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people. For not everyone has faith. So those of you who are dealing with wicked and evil people on the job and, and even in your family, what do you need to be doing? Praying. Not fighting, getting into all type of arguments, breaking the bond of peace. What, what do you need to do? You need to pray. Prayer is one of the most powerful weapons that you have in your arsenal as a believer. And many of us are not taking advantage of it because we still believe Raise your hand if you feel like you can do life without God. Just raise your hand. I want to see the honest people. Who, who believe you can do it? I ain't got nobody going to be honest today. Nobody? All right. We cannot do this thing without God. And we need to invite him in. Amen? Andrew Murray, who he, he wrote many books. And when I was in school and seminary, we had to read some of his stuff. He was a wonderful pastor, evangelist, and... Um, South Africa and just he was a part he was really an evangelist 
uh, revivalist type of, of, of man. And uh, he was a Christian writer, of course, and he said this. He, he wrote some wonderful books on prayer. And he said, prayer is not monologue, but dialogue. God's voice in response to mine is its most essential part. What is he saying? Prayer is not monologue. In other words, prayer is not just one way. It is dialogue. We pray, God answers. God speaks. Come on, everybody say with me, God speaks. God's voice in response to mine is its most essential part. In other words, when I pray to my Heavenly Father, I am going to wait for God's voice to return to me so that I can hear his leading and know his will for my life. Along with the word, God speaks. How many of y'all know that God speaks? How many of y'all ever heard God speak? And see, it's not just this audible voice. It's, it's an impression in your heart. When you know that you know that was my Father speaking to me. Many times we forget and we get so involved in life and the crises of life and the struggles and challenges of life that we forget that we have heavenly Father help. Amen? Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Let's look at that. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, I want you to read it with me. Read. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, by what? By prayer and petition. In other words, you're bringing your, your needs to the Lord, to your Father. Amen. With what? Thanksgiving. Can I just stop right there? Sometimes, man, we forget that Thanksgiving is an essential. I keep using that word there because it's, it's something you cannot do without. You need to always have a thankful heart when, you, when you're going to God. Thankful heart. Amen. Come on and lift your hands and just say, thank you, Father, for this moment right now in time. Thank you, Father, for allowing me to be here in fellowship today. Thank you, Father, for breath of my lungs and, and power to see and hear and talk and lift my hands and praise you. Thank you, Father. I have a thankful heart for everything you've done for me in my life through the cross. Thank you for the blood and the risen lamb. Thank you for the revelation that Jesus is Lord. Thank you for giving me new life in Christ. Thank you for saving me and my family. Thank you for every good and perfect blessing that you bestowed upon me by your grace and your mercy and your love and your kindness. Somebody need to thank God right now. You should always have a thankful heart when you deal with God. Because you recognize he's the one who watches over you like no one else can and you recognize that he not only has the ability but he has already done so much for you. Amen? So do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
present your request. In other words, pray to God in that attitude. Verse 7 says what? And the peace of God. That word peace is really the same word as shalom in the Old Testament, but it's arene in New Testament. It's the same word. It's peace. It means the same thing as it did in the Old Covenant. It has the indication of, of, of wholeness. Nothing missing, nothing broken. A serenity in your mind and your heart. And Paul says, even though you're going through, if you approach God and bring your petitions through prayer and bring your request to God with an attitude of thanksgiving, supernaturally the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You can't bring the peace. God gives the peace. And he guards your heart. Why does your heart need to, be got, heart need to be guarded? Because if you are at a disruptive mindset and, and your heart is disrupted and, and unsettled, you cannot hear from God. But when you are in peace, when you are in faith, when you are hopeful and thankful and you are at rest in your heart, then you can hear what the Father is saying. And he will guard your heart. Whoo, somebody say, thank you, Lord, for guarding my heart. And what, what does that mean? That peace just comes over you in, in a way that you can't make come over you. And let me tell you something. A lot of us are lacking peace because we are not presenting our request to God through prayer. We're not thankful. We're not approaching God and say, I love how this says. It says, don't be anxious. Look at somebody say, don't be anxious about anything. In other words, don't be fearful. Look at somebody say, stop being fearful. You got to stop believing what the enemy is trying to tell you. The enemy will always tell you the worst is going to happen. The enemy will always tell you something's going to happen to your children. Something's going to happen to your money. Something's going to happen to your car. Something's going to happen to your job. No, no, no. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, in every situation, by prayer, by prayer, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to who? Your heavenly Father. And the peace. Somebody just lift your hand and say, thank you, Lord, for the peace of God in my mind and my heart. Come on, thank you, Lord, for rest. See, the word says when you enter the rest of the Lord, that, that's when you receive the fullness of God in rest. Peace. Why are you in rest? Because you, you, your faith is growing. You, you, you're thank, see, once you are thankful, that means that you, you're growing in hope. Well, it's something about giving God thanks. 
it helps your hope. And, and faith is the substance of things hopeful. As your hope grows, your faith is getting stronger. Mm. The peace of God which transcends all understanding. In other words, just don't understand where this peace is coming from. Just don't, but we know that it's coming from God. Just don't understand how I got peace and all this stuff seems like it's just breaking all around me. But it's from God. It transcends all understanding because it's not coming from my mind. It's not something that I'm manufacturing. It's something that's coming to me from my Father because I'm taking my request to him by faith. And he's guarding my heart. And he's guarding my mind. He's keeping me. Somebody say, the Lord wants to keep you. He's keeping you. He's keeping you in your mind. He's keeping you. Your emotions unsanctified. They run. A, they want to tell you lies too. It's a, you can't live by your feelings. You live by the word of God. Look at somebody say, "Stop living by what you feel." You can be sad five minutes later. You happy? You can be depressed tomorrow and, and, and jumping all up and down the next day. Feelings come and go. But the joy of the Lord is what gives you your strength. Joy is consistent because it is the fruit of the Spirit that is given to you because you are in union with Christ. And that joy has nothing to do with what's happening on the outside of your life. Joy has everything to do with what you know and who you know. Jesus is on my case. God is for me and not against me. So I know right now I can have joy. Unspeakable. Full of glory. Because it's not about what I see. It's about what my father has said. Concerning my situation. First Thessalonians five sixteen. Hallelujah. First Thessalonians five sixteen. Glory to God. Rejoice always. Come on, somebody, rejoice always. Pray, 17, let's continue. Pray continually. Verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you want to know what God's will is for you, rejoice always. Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. Come on and put your hands together and give God thanks for where you are right now in this season. Somebody say, thank you, Father, for right now. You're working on it. You're dealing with it. Oh, you can give God some praise. Somebody need to stand up right now and say, thank you, Lord, 
right now. You're dealing with it. You're working on it so I can rejoice right now. I can praise him in advance because my father is a good father. He loves me. He cares for me. He's there for me. If God is for me, who can be against me? Somebody needs to praise God right now. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If Jesus had to pray, you know we must pray. If Paul had to ask for prayer, you know we need to ask for prayer and operate in faith and pray to our God. Amen. So my question to you is, can you pray more? Can you go deeper in your prayer life? Many of you already are so in this depressed state, this crisis state that you just don't see how. Let me tell you one thing. God knows how. You just need to give him a chance as you choose to carve out, to make time to pray on a more consistent basis in your life. So if you only give God five minutes, give him 10. If you're giving him 10, give him 20. If 30, give him an hour. Wherever you are, just double it and continue to double it and watch the Lord do something unique and powerful in your life. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. I just want to give you just a couple of thoughts about strategy and prayer, and we're going to go. At, some people say, well, I just don't know how to pray. I don't know where to start. Well, prayer starts in worship and, and praise. You, 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 you're thankful. You come to God thankful. You, you, you come with your hands open and worship and pray. Amen. And, and then you just start praying for, for you and your family. Amen. What are you praying? That, that your family will be in peace. Amen. And all those in your family will be saved by the power of the gospel. Then you start, you move that out a little bit to what? To the church and pray for your pastor. Pray for the leadership. Pray that this church would, would be sustained and grow and move forward and do what God has called it out to do. Amen? Then you pray for, watch this, your job and your coworkers. Take, put them at the, put them on the, put your coworkers on the altar. Paul just said, pray that we can deal with these evil and wicked people. It's some crazy folks we work with sometimes. Pray. Amen. Then you begin to pray for the needs that you see in your community in Memphis. All these issues in our streets. Then you pray for our government. Pray for the president. If you like him or not, pray for the president. We've been instructed to pray for those in authority. Some of y'all like them, some of y'all don't. It really don't matter. We as believers, we need to obey God. Pray for those in authority. It's not about being a Republican or, or a Democrat or what. No, it's about obeying God. And the Lord said, as you pray for those in authority, then we can live in peace. 
right? Pray for the Supreme Court. Oh, they're about to release a lot of judgments this month that's going to affect this whole nation. They're probably going to start dropping them this week. I mean, June is always the month where they release all these big judgments. Pray for the Supreme Court. Amen. That they will make righteous judgments. If you're not praying, you're not walking in the power that God has for you. How many of y'all want power in your life? It comes through prayer. You pray the word. You pray through the word. 